I'm just glad to have finished. And I mean, yeah. again, it, I mean, it was amazing that Jody waited for me. It was amazing that you got me included in the official results. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm honored to have been the last runner at Chase the Coyote. <laughs> honored to have set the SKT for the 50K. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Welcome back, everybody. Finally, we're back. It's been a long time. Thanks for your patience. <laughs> it's been two weeks today since we finished Coyote. That's right. September was a very busy month, so the podcast took a little back seat. But we'll get back on track now with our, well, I guess our 10-year review of Coyote. Well, we thought it fitting that we should talk about the race in general and recap it after closing it off after 10 years. Yeah, our final year was this year. So let's take a run on memory lane. (laughs) (laughs) All right, how it all began. So for those of you that don't know, we opened a running store in Orangeville in 2011. It was called Running Free Orangeville. Because we were passionate about running and we wanted a new challenge in our lives. And we figured why not combine the two things, business and passion, which we did. (laughs) And at the time, there was a couple in town called Bob and Marjorie. And they had formed a group called Run Dufferin, which was the goal to bring the runners in Dufferin County together. So they reached out to us and they held their monthly meetings in our store after hours. And they had a race in Grand Valley called Chase the Tornado. And that's because there was a big tornado in Grand Valley back in the 80s. So that's where the name came from. From there, you and I obviously have run trails in Dufferin County for since we've lived here Mm -hmm. for 20 years. And we loved Monocliffs Provincial Park because the Bruce Trail goes through there. And it's just, it's challenging, but beautiful. And there'd been some trail races at the park over the years that we had lived here, uh, Five Peaks for one and Summer Solstice. But there hadn't been a race in a couple of years. So we thought, hey, let's do it. Yeah. So where did the name come from? Well, because Bob and Marjorie, they were helping us out to get this race off the ground and their race was called Chase the Tornado. We wanted to stay with the chase theme. And so Bob came up with the idea that well, what do you see? What could you see at Monocliffs? Mm-hmm. You could see a coyote. And there the name was born, Chase the Coyote. Yeah. Uh, so that very first year, we started with 5.7 and 14.4. Yep. Right? And in the 10 years of the event, guess how many runners we had registered? Okay, let's see. Two. Now this is factoring in the two years of COVID too. Two, so really, so it's eight live, five, two, two virtuals. Thousand, two, two thousand, three thousand, three thousand change. Yeah, you got it. So you had just <laughs> over three thousand runners. Wow! In ten years, including two virtuals, that's pretty good. Not bad for a small little race on the prairie. <laughs> <laughs> and our first international runner was from the states in year three. Wow. But the most memorable international runners has to be a group from England, from the Maltby Running Club. And funny story of how they made it to chase the coyote. 
There was 20 of them first, right? That's right. There was 20 of them that came over to visit Canada, and they made sure that they came during Coyote. So one of our good friends, Len from Shelburne, vote for Len. He's running for town council. He was in England. He was a teacher, and he was on a um, student trip, and he was wearing a Chase the Coyote shirt, I believe, or a hat. And someone said, oh, are you a runner? Yeah, sure am. Oh, what's that race on your shirt? So he told them about Chase the Coyote, and they said, well, we're coming to Canada. Maybe we'll do this race. Well, sure enough, they made their own shirts. Yeah. And funnily enough, we stole their design for the following year. (laughs) But they showed up, and not all of them ran, but they were supporting. They came in their own little minivan because they were staying in Toronto. And most of them podiumed in the master's category. (laughs) But it was pretty amazing to see. That was, yeah. Since since then, every time someone signs up, oh, from Germany or Mexico or whatever, oh my gosh, international. Yeah, it's, we love seeing that because we love to travel and race. Yeah. And I'm sure other race directors love to see different countries on their registration list, right? All right, so let's talk about the course. As I said, we started with a 5.7 and 14.4. How did you and Bob come up with that? (laughs) Well, we got lost half the time. (laughs) I remember designing the course for the very first year and kept getting turned around in monocliffs. The map system didn't work, the trail markers. I don't know how many times I had to go back and figure my way out and get lost. And But it was funny because the we what we wanted was okay, challenging. So the five point seven was easy, flattish. Yeah. But then the fourteen we wanted to incorporate um cardiac hill, which later we named cardiac hill. The outlook to look out over the cliff. Yes, the from the top of the lookout. And then we we wanted to include the stairs. Mm -hmm. So things challenging. So that's that's how we designed the course. Right. Funnily enough, because Norm and I are a two-person team, uh, he's always been the course guy. And I probably, it took me three years to figure out the course. Because <laughs> in the beginning, the, the markers were horrible. They've gotten much better, but still, you could of get... Of the park, you mean. Of the park. Yeah. You could get... Of the park, yeah, not during the race. You could get so lost in there. And I'm pretty good with direction, but I need to do it a few times. Yeah. So... Easily three year three three or year four before I felt comfortable. And anybody that asked me a question about the course, I was like, eh, <laughs> ask Norm. <laughs> so we added a 21K in 2015. Now, how did you guys go about? Well, the, beside the Monocliffs Provincial Park is another forest called Dufferin Forest. And said, hey, why don't you just incorporate more trails just going into that section? I said, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So, I again, never been there before, actually. No, we never ran in the Dufferin And, course. wow, that was a big turnaround, turnaround, get, getting lost. And, like... Every trail looks the same. Yeah, I, I just kind of had to figure it out and finally came up with a 21K right. half marathon. Yeah. Right. Oh, and I should mention, in the early years, we had a challenge... For the oh, 14.4. Right. So why don't you talk about that? Well, I figured, hey, let's try to get some fast runners to Coyote. And it was if you can finish the 14.4K in under an hour for the men, mm-hmm. you can come back next year. And I think we gave them a prize too. Yeah. Yeah. And for the women, if you can finish it under an hour 10. Right. 
And not too many people have, were able to do it, but we did get some fast <laughs> runners. We like, did. Whoa. <laughs> who, we could mention their names and you probably know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then in... Do I mention their names? Oh, well, I, I, we were going to get to that, but if you want to mention them now, that's fine. Well, we had uh, uh, Ryan Atkins, mm-hmm. who was a two-time world champion, Tough Mudder, I think. Or Spartan. One of those obstacle courses. Yeah. And his wife, Lindsay Webster, who's also two-time world champion, they both came and uh, crushed the course. And I think Ryan's time in the first time he did it was 53 minutes. <laughs> 53 minutes. Which is incredible. However, that's not the fastest time. There was somebody else who came and actually beat him. And he, I think he was in shock. <laughs> who actually did it in 52 minutes. And uh, he was the pacer for the Olympic road marathon. Oh, wow. He was the, their pacer. So he was obviously a well... Well-rounded runner. Yeah. So it was funny. We had some fast runners. <laughs> and also another... Name that might be familiar to some of you, Cody the, Beals. The triathlon world. He's yeah. a professional triathlete today. He uh, he lived in Guelph. I think he still does, but, you know, he, and he knew one of the other runners who was local. So I think that was a bit of a challenge to see who could take the crown there. Yeah. But anyway, we did that for a couple of years and then we let it slip. <laughs> well, and because uh, we went to, to in 2017... We went to the format of 12K, 25K, 50K. Right. Which I think in that first year, the 50K, we might have had 22 22 runners or something. And that was awesome because it was just a two-loop course. And it's hard to find 50Kers that aren't multi-loop. Right. So that that was really cool. And then we brought back the vintage 5.7 in 2019 for one final year. Yeah. And we had a lot of people that took that on. Because a lot of people that aren't really trail runners were willing to do the 5.7. Check out the trail, first time on trail. And then, of course, this year we switched it up again. And the minimum distance was 16K because you really wanted everybody to get to do the roots. The roots of all evil, which is a a section that can take you out for the rest of the race if you're not careful. So I, because it was the final year, I said, hey, I want everyone to do the route section. So I had to change the route one last time to incorporate that. And I have to say that I never plan <laughs> on hiking, walking, running the routes ever again. It's my least favorite section of the entire course. What's your favorite section? I like that section that uh, it goes up between Link Trail. When you just pass MacArthur's Lake going right, MacArthur's Lake going right. Yes. It's the windy, it looks like uh, the Enchanted Forest. Oh, yeah. Tall trees, yeah. so and, green. And in any kind of, uh, during winter, fall, spring, it's always that nice section there. That's true. My favorite is where that pond is when you come down off of the, oh, yeah. um, what, do you, what is that trail? I have no idea. I don't I, know the names I, of the I trails. I don't know the names. <laughs> I don't know the names of the trails. I just know, oh, if you go where that rock that kind of has a little leaf blowing coming yeah, out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. where you go. <laughs> Anyways, that pond is always cold and clear, and it's a good place to dunk your hat if you're hot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the sections, we mentioned Cardiac Hill, which has a million names. Heartbreak Hill, Puke Hill, but we stuck with Cardiac. Mm. Roots of All Evil. I think Bob named that one. Did he? Yeah, I think it was named after a song. Oh, I don't I'm not, know I'm not, that I'm not story. too sure, but it was 
facing out, there's a lot of routes if you, that can trip you up, especially when you're going on the downhill oh. and there's routes you're trying to get there fast and then uh. boom, you're out. Oh, yeah. And so. Oh, and speaking of which, you caught that on camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. That I, I actually, during the race, I put in uh, motion, motion detect cameras just at the root section just to catch people falling. <laughs> and how many people did you catch falling? Quite a few. It's pretty comical. Are you going to put some into the video yeah, version of this? See how it is. Yeah, see how maybe. It is. You should check that out. And then the 64 steps. Which actually I think Bob counted 68 steps. You know what? We counted the steps many times. We kept <laughs> never got the same number twice. Twice, So we just agreed, let's just say 64. It was 68 though. I remember typing 68 in notes. So they it got revised to 64 when <laughs> I counted them. <laughs> All right. And our logo. So our original logo, which I'm going to show here on the video, was this lovely coyote that our friend Leisha designed. Well, I could put it in the, okay, in the background. Sure. Yeah. So that logo stuck around until 2017 when we came up with the the current one. Mm. And over the years, I actually was just reminded of all the swag. Swag's fun. I enjoy I enjoy the swag element. And speaking of which, we have some extra swag. Yep. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw the throw it up on our website, gotterunracing.com. And if you live somewhat locally, you can come and pick it up from us to save on shipping. Otherwise, you you'll pay for shipping, but we have some pieces. Give us a couple weeks to throw those up on our website and check it out if you want to own a piece of history. And if anybody who has not done Chase a Coyote in the 10 years, we're having virtual next year. Yes, we, have, we will. Because we do have some, a lot of swag left over. Yeah. So check it out. And uh, of course, the people yes. over the years. We learned this year especially because people came because it was the last version of the race that it was their very first race ever, <laughs> their very first trail race. So it really means a lot to us to hear people say that because they're entrusting us <laughs> to... <laughs> to not get lost. <laughs> yes, exactly. We had one runner, Nicole from Peterborough, who completed an all chase the coyotes and two runners who only missed a year and that was heather from mono and brent from holland landing who are actually cross-country teammates from high school is that funny which is a, is ironic because i think they actually saw each other after a long time at coyote yeah, for the yeah, first yeah, you're time right, you're right not to mention my family who have been involved since the beginning uh my mom who takes the ribbons off the old medals and sews the new ones on my sister, who's there looking after all the volunteers and making date squares for <laughs> special people. <laughs> my niece, Kaylee, who's running the swag tent. My nephew, Tyler, who, if you listened to our podcast before, he's the guy, the voice you hear that does our commercial breaks. He's been the DJ. Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We run the North. Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Medals that connect, license plate-style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit GottaRunRacing.com for more details. And then, of course, volunteers. Mm. We relied so heavily on team running free. We, there was an ambassadorship 
program through our store and almost every member of the team came out to chase the coyote, whether they were running or volunteering or both. Mm -hmm. So we're so grateful to them. Um, we're going to show some pictures in the video. We even had volunteers that grew up through Chase the Coyote, specifically Jessica and Julia, a set of twins who loved handing out medals at the finish <laughs> line, and they were there this year too. Uh, now your favorite part, a couple of stats, Norm. Do you remember in 2012 that a woman won the 5.7 outright. Oh, Mary Thompson. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Where is Mary? We have not seen her in a long no, time. No, and I remember when we first, <laughs> when we said, hey, I, Mary, we have a 50K. She goes, oh, no. She goes, so you actually came back for the 50K and won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And as we mentioned, we had some, uh, some local legends who went on to become international, yeah. Ryan and Lindsay, Cody Beals. Yeah. The pandemic hit hard because, of course, there were no races allowed at an Ontario park in 2020 and 2021, but we did run the virtuals. Yep. And every year we had amazing weather, sometimes a little too hot, but yep. people thought we had horseshoes because- Well, we paid for it. Yeah, we'll, pay, we'll be paying for it <laughs> in years to come. <laughs> and did anybody ever see a coyote? Not during, but before and after, yes. <laughs> they actually posted pictures saying, hey, is this the coyote we're supposed to chase? <laughs> I go, no, don't chase that one. <laughs> several porcupines, though. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> Definitely several porcupines. Oh, and I forgot. There's another cool item that's going to be hitting our website. So my mom is an amazing seamstress. And what she does is she takes the ribbons from the metals because we don't want to waste them. And she makes tote bags out of them. And they're really cool. Of all the years. So you'll have different colors of the ribbon on one bag. That's right. We, we mix up the years. Some of them we keep just all the same distance or what have you. They're really neat. You can use them for your groceries or take them to the farmer's market, etc. Mm. But you could own a piece of Chase the Coyote that way too. So what else? What do you think, Norm? <laughs> well, it was... Uh... Incredible 10 years. It sure was. Uh, it's As many people said that day, it is very bittersweet, mm -hmm. but I think we're going out at the right time. Yeah. You know, we enjoyed all of our time there and we outgrew it to some extent. Things have changed. We got, we basically got too big for the park in a sense of parking and uh, logistics. Logistics, exactly. But that opens up the door <laughs> for other potential events. Which we will be working on this winter. Yeah. And hey, if anybody wants to sign up for the virtual next year and wants to actually go run, is local and wants to run the actual course, hit me up. That's right. Give us, uh, give me an email, gotta run racing. And what did you do today? At Gmail. Oh, today I made a virtual <laughs> video that you can run on your treadmill throughout the winter. That's right. So, <laughs> so instead of staring at the TV. Yeah. Or a blank uh, wall like uh, Lionel Sander does <laughs> in the pain cave. Yeah. You can look at the beautiful trail in front of you. And I'll and I will tell you when to increase or incline or decline your treadmill. I tell you this is the roots. This is the cardiac section. This is the step section. It's a great way to <laughs> remember the race yeah, over I'll be, the years. I'll be putting that up uh, in the new year. For sure. All right. All right. Well. Thank you to everyone who's involved yep. over the years. We appreciate you. 
And we hope to see you at our next God Run Racing event. And that's the recap of Chase the Coyote. But now, who is on the podcast today? Aha! <laughs> we have Neil Baird from Erin, Ontario. And he holds the prestigious title as the final finisher of Chase the Coyote. Yeah. Neil Baird, 68 years young, from Erin, Ontario. We first met Neil in 2017 when he signed up for our Learn to Run Clinic and he competed his in his first 5K race that same year. The following year, he took on the 12K at Chase the Coyote. And at age 65 in 2019, he completed the 25K. After a two-year break from racing due to the pandemic, he took on the 50K, the final 50K. At age 68? 68. <laughs> and we know it was a long day for him. Yeah. So let's hear what he has to say. Let's hear his whole journey to completing all distances of Chase the Coyote coming up. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Neil Baird, and big congrats on completing your very first ultra marathon. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> So what we'd like to do is actually go back to the very beginning, which the beginning for us is when we met you in 2017 and you signed up yep. for our beginner learn to run clinic. So what inspired you to do that at the ripe young age of 63? Well, what it was, I had, I've always been walking in the morning and I thought I would like to try running. Uh, my inspiration for that to start the clinic was to participate in the uh, Run for the Cure 5K uh, and raising funds for breast cancer. And that was in memory of my uh, my mom, who we lost in 2014. So I, I mean, I hadn't really run since high school. So I tried on my own and it didn't work out. So I thought I should actually work with some people who know what they're doing. And that was sort of how it all started. Wow. Now we were training for uh, a race with that learn to run, which would have been the compass race Correct. run for food in June. So yep. w was that actually your first race before run for the cure? It was my very first race ever. And how did that go? Because you're, you're not, uh, you don't look like an actual runner. I go, how tall are you? I'm six foot six. <laughs> so <laughs> six foot six maybe 200 something i don't know but uh yeah i'm just under 200 right now wow so how did that first race experience it was a 5k right it was a 5k yes yeah it, it was it was an amazing experience i think i finished sixth in my age group <laughs> uh two two minutes and two positions behind uh, oh, I forget his name now, but there was an 80-year-old gentleman who beat me by two minutes. And that said, well, that was an inspiration to me rather than, you know, because I said, boy, I've got something to look forward to. <laughs> but I hope I'm still be able to be running the compass when I'm 80. <laughs> exactly. Now, what did your family and friends think when you signed up for the, the clinic and when you said you wanted to run? What, what were they? Were they positive? Were they saying, yes. oh, you're too old, you're bad knees, that kind of thing? No. Marg, my uh, wife, she was very supportive. And most of the people I know were very supportive of me getting into running. 
and obviously when you do start to talk to people about running and kind of like, oh, your knees, it's bad for this, it's bad for that. And actually my brother-in-law said, well, you're, you're in good luck or it's good because your knees are still pretty good. So <laughs> <laughs> starting this late. <laughs> I kind of went with that theory. He kind of blew his, yeah, he, he blew his knees out when he was playing tennis when he was younger, but he said, yeah, your knees are still there. So <laughs> so many people use the knee excuse. And I think that, yeah. honestly, it is an excuse because running helps strengthen the muscles around yeah. the joint, which yes. protects the joint. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to get worse off by running. It's, it's not true in most cases. Obviously, there's exceptions to the rule. but <laughs> Right, right. I've never really had trouble with my knees, so... Well, it's a good strategy to start later in life. That means you can go longer in life. But did you always have an athletic background? No. I'm not athletic whatsoever. <laughs> so many people you can know, relate I played to football. Uh, I, I played football in high school only because all my friends were doing it, but I was never really competitive that way or uh, anyway, I was not athletic whatsoever. I'm still not athletic. <laughs> sure you are. You can say you're an athlete now. You can you can claim you can athlete. claim it. Yeah. Now, did you you didn't get uh, the the coaches weren't trying to get you onto the volleyball or the basketball team? How did basketball? You... <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just said no. Like I said, I am so clumsy. I said no. You don't want me on your team. <laughs> <laughs> you can just stay under the net and dunk. Yeah. <laughs> pass you the ball. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> So before the run for the cure goal, had you ever considered taking up running or was that really the main focus for you? That was the main focus. I mean, I used to have a early Sunday morning. I'd sit there with a cup of coffee, looking out my kitchen window and somebody would be running by and think, I wonder how that would feel. But that <laughs> sort of as far as I got, um, <laughs> Some people I knew were running, and I thought, yeah, that might be a good thing. Because, again, like I say, I used to walk every morning. Right. Uh, I found that one year the the winter weight wasn't coming off quite as fast as it normally did. So I started walking every morning before work. And that just thought, well, maybe we should see about running. And when I had decided on that goal of run for the cure, I thought, well, let's do it. Do it properly. And how did yeah. you find us based on, because you didn't start till, what year was it? 2017 and then but we started the store in 2011 so it took you right. six years to finally walk in our door yeah <laughs> yeah I, uh i was actually what it was i was how it start how i actually found running free i wanted something shoes to walk in winter because i didn't like wearing big snow boots and stuff and i actually stopped a runner who was running in the neighborhood and asked her and she said well I just use my regular shoes, but some people will use trail shoes. So then another friend said, uh, mentioned running room, but I'm in Orangeville and I saw running free. So I thought, okay, it was my first, the very first pair of shoes I bought from Jody were a pair of uh, speed cross, uh, the waterproof speed cross. And that was, and that was just to do walking at that point. And it was sort of the, the next year uh, in 2017, I decided to start looking at the clinic because I think at, at 
2016, I think I was a little too late to sign up, but 2017, I decided I would uh, start that year. Nice. Now let's let's get to chase the coyote. So that means in 2018, you signed up for the first time as the 12K. Yes. Correct. Had you ever run at Mono Cliffs before you signed up for that race? No. No. The, the, the training day that summer was the first time I had ever run at Monocliffs. And then did you think, oh, what have I gotten myself into? Because I know living in Erin, you train a lot on the rail trail. Right. And there's not, there's some access to trails out that way, but that probably wasn't part of your normal routine, I assume. No, um, I do run the side roads and it's, there's quite hilly, so there's still change in elevation uh there but not really trails i mean there's the tower trail which is kind of like a mini mini chase the coyote you know mono cliffs kind of thing <laughs> but nothing of that nature what made you decide to do trail rather than road road would be easier i would assume well actually it's funny um the reason i got into trailing i was intrigued from talking to jody and after trying at mono cliffs i just trail running is is the best it, 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 what i really like about it is it engages all of your senses yeah because you, you're you're looking forward you're anticipating the route you know especially on the downhill or something like that there's you're listening to the sounds and stuff if i'm training during the week i'll have headphones and listen to my playlist or got to run racing podcasts um, <laughs> shameless <you>. plug <laughs> um but on the trails no because i want to hear what's going on i want to experience that i mean it's just and again it's just something something else entirely it's it's i really am happiest running when i am on the trails mm -hmm. so i have both of you to thank for introducing me to this wonderful sport of trail running <laughs> Well, the more the merrier, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the first year was the 12K at yep. Chase the Coyote. That's where you did the clinic first. Yep. And then you knew exactly, because the clinic was exactly the race course. Yes. So how... The training day. The training day. Yeah. The training day. Was exactly, I set it up that the training day would be exactly the 12K race course. Mm -hmm. So how mm -hmm. did that race go now that this is your first trail race? Really? Oh, uh, went well i'm slow i'm a slow runner and and that's okay but uh i really enjoyed it i mean the the stairs of course i mean all the all, i only did the two obstacles i mean that course didn't include the roots of all evil so i only reached second level that year <laughs> but you know i i finished i mean i think that that was the year that um there was a contingent from england running that year yes yes and they were all i mean they all smoked me in my age group so <laughs> <laughs> but again it's an inspiration to see the you know again to to see that and what i also found about what the other thing i like about the trail running series is just the sense of community that's there you're getting encouragement from everybody and that's i i like how inclusive it is and everybody supports everybody and it's it's very good that way it's more about the experience, not 
the time that it yeah. took you to do it. Yeah, time's, right. time is irrelevant. Right. Time is irrelevant. <laughs> exactly. Right. If you want to stop right. and take a picture, you want to watch the sun come up over the the horizon, yeah. that's encouraged rather than discouraged because you're going to add a few seconds to your time. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> now, over the course of that winter, I assume you were contemplating bumping up your distance to the 25K. Yes, I actually, I think it was uh, January 1st or 2nd, I signed up for the 25K. <laughs> not, not as a New Year's resolution, but again, to, to give me an objective for that year. I think I was doing the 10K clinic with, uh, with you that year. So I was going through that. I still use that routine, by the way, every spring to kind <laughs> of get moving again. Yeah. But I had a, I found a quote by uh, Stephen King and uh printed that out and stuck it up on the side of my refrigerator uh how to go it was uh if you can or, or something i mean it, it was all about setting the goal sorry i kind of really messed up that okay. section there i did i did i mean i should remember it because i looked at it for all those months but okay <laughs> So you but, you but, started you started the training for that in January. Did you dabble in any longer distance road races between January and that September? Uh no, actually it was at that point 10k was the longest uh race that uh or events that I participated in uh oh. at that time. So the the 25 was the longest distance that I had ever signed up for at that time. That's impressive because a 25k trail is more like a 30k road. So yeah. you're you're tripling your distance. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's uh that's a good goal to have. <laughs> and what made you decide to up the ante? I just again it said why not? Let's try it. <laughs> um, well, the 12k didn't didn't uh discourage you by any means. No. You you accomplished no, let, it. Let's so. let's double it and see, you know, cuz I mean again, I I wanted to hit level 3. I wanted the roots. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, Defcon level. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of that, you got to take on the roots of all evil and the Dufferin Forest. Which yep. now, did you come back to do the training run for the that year as well? Because I don't know yes. if I included the roots in the training run as well, did I? Yeah, that was the first time in that that year that the roots were included in the training run. Did you do the roots on that tra training day? Yes. Yes, okay. I did. Yeah. So the only surprise would be the Duffin Forest. Correct. So how did that go in the 25K overall experience? I had set myself a limit of about four hours. Knowing, I think the hard cutoff was five. And uh, I went through it and I kind of planned it out. I did some planning into where I should be at each uh, aid station at what time in order to meet that four-hour goal. And uh, I made it just, I mean, by I think five minutes, but I made it under, in under the four hours. I did, I did hit the dirt that year. <laughs> First time I had fallen. And it was, in the, it was in the Dufferin Forest and it was on a gentle downslope. <laughs> I was watching the two runners in front of me and all of a sudden, bang, face first into the dirt. And, and that's a long way down. 
Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So many people fall in the least suspecting places, and I think it's because you sort of don't pay as much attention because you you think think you're not going to fall. Exactly. Right, right. It's a section that you never would think of. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And there's a lot of horse manure on that forest, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My big challenge, too, is with that, I kind of don't pick my feet up as high as I should, which Mm. is more of a challenge with the rocks and the roots and things like that. So I've, I've several times I've stubbed my toe and done a quick dance routine to kind of (laughs) stay upright. But this time I just went right down. (laughs) Too bad I don't have that on film. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, the pandemic forced uh, the race to pause for a couple of years, which delayed mm-hmm. your goal. So now you're a couple of years older than you intended to be signing up for that 50K. Right. Did at any point in leading up to the event, did you waver about doing that 50K ultra distance? Yes, I had signed up for the 25 again in 2020. And it was deferred. And then this year, again, in January, I thought, well, it's when I found out it was the last one, I said I'd always wondered what running the 50K distance would be like. And I said, well, it would be kind of nice to have all three distances. So I said, you know what? I emailed Jody and said, what's the cutoff? And she said, eight hours. You can do it. <laughs> I thought, well, we will see. <laughs> and I, at that time, I thought, well, I've got nine months. I will train hard. You know, I'm going to the gym. I will. Uh, 2021 was a good year. I ran the most kilometers I'd ever run since starting to run that year. So I thought, I will just go for it. So I transferred up to the 50. <laughs> and two weeks later, I got plantar fasciitis in my left foot <laughs> my body just said uh-uh hold on we are not doing this <laughs> so i went i went to uh the therapy i went to my chiropractor and had like laser therapy and, and ultrasound and just stayed off at the whole month didn't do anything the month of february as far as running goes started again a couple of flare-ups but got back into training. I knew I would lose some condition, but Mm. when I started running again, it was almost like I was back at my very first 5k clinic. (laughs) Shortness of breath, you know, that my stamina wasn't there. So I just wasn't getting the mileage in that I needed to do to prepare for this. So it's been a preoccupation for the past nine months that eight-hour cutoff has been looming there. Um, So, yeah, I have wavered. I talked to Jody at the Rainbow Trail Run and said, you know what? For that one, I had actually entered the two loops, thinking I would kind of, from uh, Lost Treasure, the 10K, and then two loops, 22K, kind of like doubling it each time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I transferred back down to just the single loop because I would just, there was no way I could do it. And I said, there, I, I'm not sure about coyote. I mean, I'm going to do it, 
but I wasn't sure if I would transfer to a one of the shorter distances. So again, it went through that, kept going, kept training, running. And I said, okay, I'm going to let, I'll make my decision at, uh, after Island Lake. Actually, well, no, before that, we had the training session this year. Yes. Which is the Coyote, yes. which was the 16 and a half. And that worked out very well. I did it. I did it at the pace I would have to, to meet at least the cutoff for the first loop. Mm-hmm. And I felt good about it. After Island Lake, I said, well, you know what? Things aren't going quite as well as I had hoped, but at that point I decided, no, I'm going to start the 50. My plan was, I want to start it. I will, I know I can do the first loop at the end of the first loop. I'll see how my foot is, see how I feel and make my decision at that point. If I continue or drop out at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, there were a lot of people who signed up for either the 50 or the 25 that transferred their registration down to a shorter distance, of course, because things happen. People had signed up in 2020. They weren't training as hard and whatever. But of all the people, if you're, if you're, if I got an email from race roster saying Neil Baird wants to transfer down to the 25, <laughs> I would have went, deny, <laughs> deny, not happening. You're doing this no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said, somebody told me a long time ago, you make the commitment and then you live up to it. <laughs> the hardest thing about ultra running is the decision to do it. Mm. Once yes. you make the decision, the rest is easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. And race day, I was anxious. I did. The first loop was a struggle. It was more of a struggle than I thought it was going to be. I was actually running with Mary Fisher. We were running together and she was encouraging me because she was determined to meet that. 11 a.m. cut off and <laughs> by the time we got through the the outlier loop i was just starting to struggle and i had to convince her i said mary go on <laughs> I said i'm still going to try for it but please don't wait for me go ahead and i think i i made it there about eight minutes past 11 so almost made it well and at that point norm yeah. had met me yeah and he just said no you got to keep going if you don't have a broken leg keep going i thought you know what yeah i signed up for it and i said let's go i said i know i'll have to walk the entire second loop but i will finish it because again when i backtrack when you said if i was concerned about the thing i thought at first i'm going to do the fifth like way back when i thought i was going to do the 50 i said even if i and i'm was concerned even if i don't make the eight hour cutoff i said i'm just going to say to people i don't care don't classify me i'm going to finish the 50k just so i can say that i finished the 50k if i'm not in the official results or dnf or dsq that's fine by me so i said well let's let's do it have you checked out our virtual series yet we run the north Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Well, there's Algonquin, and then there's Banff, and then that's it? Anyways, medals that connect, license plate-style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit gotterunracing.com for more details.
<laughs> and I had to sit down and rest on the rock towards the top of the cardiac hill. And I thought, okay, questioning my life choices <laughs> at that point. Because I, I did everything wrong that day as far as hydration and nutrition. So I was really feeling drained. I was nauseated. My foot was sore. And I thought, just let's take a breath. We're going to rest, not quit. And I stood up and made it to the top of the hill and uh, met Norm at the first aid station. And uh, I'd gotten a bit of a second wind by that time. I said, oh, okay, no, I'll, I'll continue on. And then just kept plugging away. Had to sit down a couple of times to rest, but it, uh, there I, I, I finally caught up with Mary. She was coming out from the forest as I was heading into it. And she mm -hmm. was surprised and pleased to see me. <laughs> so, uh, then we went through the, uh, went through the forest and Norm met me on the way at the aid station on the way out. And by that time, my arms and hands were all puffed up. Um, wasn't getting enough salt and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, I just kept going on. Uh, the next big challenge was the stairs. I, had a little rest at the bottom and then met Norm at the top. At least you have the rungs to pull yourself up. It's, the stairs aren't the issue. It's that hill at the top of the stairs. That's the dirty little secret of chasing the coyote. <laughs> so I got up there and met Norm at the aid station. Uh, I mean, it was great. I mean, he met me at every aid station. I know he was tearing them down after I left, but still. <laughs> <laughs> he waited for me and we had a bit of a pep talk and told me I wasn't drinking enough water and that my water bottle better be empty by the time he met me at the next one. So, <laughs> and at least from that point on, at least it's downhill all the way to, uh, to the outlier. Yes. So set off there and got to the, uh, aid station at the outlier, uh, Norm just came up at that point and said, yeah, I will go through this seeing about an hour. And actually Norm was, gave me the best advice there. He said, you know, like you could, you're here today, so you, you should do it. You could say, okay, I'll drop out now and train harder and come back next year, but there's no guarantees. Look what happened in 2020, yeah. you know? Exactly. Uh, so I said, it's, you it, know what? It's here and now. Yeah, it's here and now. And it's went through that, got back, and there was just the final finish and uh, went through it. What did you, what do you think you learned about yourself through those 50 kilometers that you may not have realized until you, you went through it? You pushed yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it was the most physically grueling thing I've ever done. What I learned is that I have to, you can read all the books that you want about ultra running, but until you actually experience and know what your body can, can or can't do. So I know for next time, well, did I just say next time? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's on film. <laughs> but, you know, it's just a matter of, I know what to, and because of my experience, I know what to anticipate next time about the physical challenges of it as far as hydration and nutrition and, and just, again, I think just getting the mileage in for the endurance. Like I say, this year, it wasn't 
my best year for training, but I did it. I learned that a couple of times I stood up, <clears throat> excuse me, it was the most difficult thing to stand up. I had stopped. There was a bench on the way through uh, towards the forest. And I sat down there and I thought, you know what? I could just lie down here and <laughs> have a nap. <laughs> I said, Am I going to really do it? He says, well, you know, and then a black lab came up. I out for a hike with his people and he came up to me and said, hi, guy. So, I mean, he kind of, oh, okay. So got me a bit motivated to stand up and get going on. But yeah, it was just those times when I, when you stopped and it was just, I have to stand up and keep going, yes. you know? So that was, I can be stubborn. <laughs> if you can ask Marg about that. <laughs> and I will keep doing things until I get them right. Mm -hmm. So I just found, I mean, I think I, I was able to push myself right up to my limits that day. I mean, I wasn't physically prepared, but I think I, I just said, no, I got to keep, keep going. Well, this is the beauty of our sport that we can all relate, no matter if you're in the front of the pack, the mid pack, back of the pack, we all can relate to the situation you're in because you're saying that you had to sit down going up cardiac hill, which is only about, I don't know, 500 meters. But I can relate because when I did Leadville, which is climbing at 13,000 feet, I had to sit down three times going up that mountain. And I was asking my fellow runners for water because I'm out. Mm -hmm. And they gave me little what they spared. They spared what little they can to get me up the mountain. So I can relate. I was also down and out in Beverly Hills. <laughs> And, but you keep going. And so even though you're telling the story about our, one of our events, a 50K, there's people around the world listening to this saying, I was there in, this, in another race, another situation, but right. I can understand what you're going through. And, and you definitely understand the fact that no matter what, you're going to have highs and lows, right? but you have to have the mental, mental capacity to accept them because at that point it is mental. Yes. It, uh, unless you've injured yourself, it's not about right. what your body's doing. It's about wrapping your head around mm -hmm. the fact that I feel crappy. I want to stop. I'm not going to stop. Right. So right. they're going to come get over them. And then you're going to have a second wind or a third wind or a fourth right. wind. It will happen. And I also remember saying to myself, okay, I'll just, I'll end it. I'll drop out on this race here. I'll come back next year. That it doesn't happen. Right. The odds of actually going back and doing it again is so rare. You have to get it done right here, right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> so you don't have to come back. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, big congrats to you. I, I know it was Thank a you. long, long, tough day, but when you when you got home, what did your wife say to you yeah what did mark say i hope she had some some a meal and beer <laughs> no actually the thing was i, I got home and i couldn't eat oh, that's true I, I couldn't eat however i did grab a uh mono center brewing <laughs> beer out of the fridge <laughs> best tasting beer i can ever remember having <laughs> I think it also has life-giving properties because I felt <laughs> somewhat restored after that. Um, and that was it. I mean, you know, it's like Marg was very happy. I mean, 
what I couldn't have done it without her support because I mean, she was supporting me all the way. She kind of put up with my preoccupation with this event for the past nine months. <laughs> she indulged in my obsession with running shoes. So <laughs> <laughs> I was worried about you driving. That's a pretty yeah, long yeah. distance from Monocliff yeah. to Aaron, and you didn't hang around very long. So, yeah, I was surprised that I recovered much better than. I did on the 25. Now that Chase the Coyote is no longer, that was the last race. You are the official last runner yes. off the finish line. <laughs> uh, would it, you ever go back to Monocliffs just to... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I, I love running there. I really like running there. Hmm. I really like running there. And I, yeah, I will definitely go back. What other bucket list races do you have? What I'm going to do, I think, for next year, I'm going to try at least two loops, if not more, at Rainbow. Nice. We'll see how that goes. Nice. I'm not sure about the Fiddle 50. It, it I mean, it would be a, a good way to get a long distance in, but running a 1K loop for that long. It, <laughs> Cuckoo. <laughs> yeah. it, it could be your best 50. <laughs> it could be, but, you know, I just assume, you know, I really like the, uh, the course of uh, Earl Rowe. It's really nice. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> we like it too. I wouldn't want to. I, I wouldn't want to do uh, Mansfield many loops. That's a tough one. Very tough with the bike. Yeah. Bike courses yeah. are tough for sure. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, what but, would you say to our listeners who haven't quite jumped up to that ultra level and are contemplating it? What What would you say to them to give some inspiration? If I can do it, you can do it. You know. <laughs> It, and again, you're right. It's all about the mental thing. You just sort of have to make that decision that this is something I want to do and I will do what it is necessary to get through it. Uh, in fact, the one thing that kept going through my mind, there's a quote from, uh, I'm just going to hear it here, uh, from the book, What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. Oh, yes. Uh, by the author Haruki Murakami. And the quote is, Somebody told to him, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. <laughs> that's and exactly that's the right. whole key to, I think, an ultra distance is that, yeah, you know that there's going to be pain. It's just you have to deal with it. That's right. For, yeah. the, you know? for the reward, because the reward yeah. of crossing the finish line is that feeling that we're all chasing. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, it was... It's funny, when I finished, it was great because the parking lot was virtually empty. Jody was there. Mary was there. That was Mary waited too. for you, yes. And it's kind of like, yeah, I'm done. You know, it wasn't that big kind of rah-rah type of thing. It was like, yeah, it's done. It, and I, I don't think it really sank in till much later Yeah, type of thing. <laughs> exactly. I, and again, I can relate to. I've finished races where they they tear down the gantry and everything. It's like, right. oh, this sucks. But <laughs> yeah. I'm one of the last well, runners. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, you know, like I say, I, I'm just glad to have finished. And I mean, yeah. again, it, I mean, it was amazing that Jody waited for me. It was amazing that you got me included in the official results. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm honored to have been the last runner at chase the coyote honored to have set the skt for the 50k 
Uh, that's a good one yeah. skt yeah. i like that yeah, i'm gonna go out and do some my my some other skts yeah that's what i do i do skts only <laughs> i love that yeah. you should start the hashtag on yeah. instagram <laughs> yeah. well we're honored that you were our very last finisher because you you started with us ended. and you finished the yeah. race with us yeah. so we're very honored <laughs> thank you neil thank you some rapid fire yeah let's get to oh, the fun oh, yeah. stuff okay. let's get to right. the fun stuff okay now we might tweak some of these because of your the benefit of your age we can ask you other questions yes. <laughs> what was the very first concert you went to Oh gosh, that's going back a long time. <laughs> um, probably the most one of the first and most memorable concerts was Neil Young at Massey Hall. Wow! Wow! Marg and I were there at the. Uh, it was just Neil Young, all acoustic. It was the uh, the legendary one. Wow! What year was that? I don't remember. A long time ago. Because <laughs> I I saw Neil Young at Maple Leaf Gardens. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we saw the Stones at, at the gardens, but I always remember Neil Young. That was uh, we were way up in the top section, but hmm. that was uh, that was one of the legendary ones. Pretty special. <laughs> do you have a tattoo? Yes, I do. Would you get another one now that you're a running yes, machine? I have. Well, I'm not a running machine, but I do have. I'm. I've been contemplating a second one for a while, but I do have one particular one in mind. Oh, okay. Based on your background of your uh, Zoom here at the space, do you want to go into space one day? Would that be a nice adventure for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always been into sci-fi, and I this this is from the uh, one of the first images from the new oh uh, yes uh, telescope yep. that they launch. Nice. So that was that. Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in space and stuff like that, science. So Star Trek or Star Wars? There we go. <laughs> Star Trek. Star Trek. Very yeah. cool. Nice. What's your favorite music to run to? I I have a long run list and a short run list. <laughs> the long run is an eclectic thing of all different kinds. Short run is basically all punk. Wow. Oh, nice. Just I would to love get to see me. your hair all different color. <laughs> <laughs> It's all it's all punk that kind of driving beat for the short ones when I want to keep the pace up. That makes sense. Where in the world would you like to travel that's not running related that you have not been yet? Yeah. Um I would like to go to Japan. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit of a Japanophile. Um I would like to go to Scotland. Yeah. Uh which is where my ancestors are from. Mm -hmm. I would like to go to Italy. When you go to Japan, you have to do the Mount Fuji hike. We hear it's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, for sure. Would you rather run in minus 20 outside or on the treadmill? Minus 20 every time. <laughs> Agree. Favorite post-race indulgence? Beer. <laughs> and something salty to go with it. Something salty and fatty to kind of go with it. Yeah. All right, final question. Pick a superpower. Flying is one, but if I really had, I would love to be able to run like a horse. Mm. Horse you know, power. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it, just to see. I mean, they, 
sometimes you see them, they're just running for the pure joy of it. Mm-hmm. And just to be able to have in that physical condition to be able to run, run like that. And yeah. they run so smooth, actually. Yeah. They barely yeah. touch the ground if you they're doing <laughs> slow motion. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. When, when I do my training around here on the side roads, I mean, Aaron, there's a lot of horses around here. And if I go by the Heatherly farm with their uh, beef cattle, cows are always very curious. They always come up and want to know what's going on at this person running down the road. You know, they were very, <laughs> but the horses just kind of look and go, it's not running. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. pretty pitiful. <laughs> exactly. All right, Neil, this has been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Thank you for chatting with us. Hope it works. Thank you for having me. <laughs> And uh, if you'd like to support Neil, he's doing the Run for the Cure next month. Yep, October the 2nd. Okay, we'll put a link in the, in the show notes. Yep, for sure. To support Great. Neil from his journey. Thank you very much. All yeah. right, Neil. All right. All right. Cheers. All right, see you later. Bye. And there you have it, Neil Baird. <laughs> the final runner, Chase the Coyote. How yeah. inspiring. Yes. I, I hope that non-runners or spouses of runners listen to this because it's never too late. No, it's, not, it's never too late. It's never too late to start. And he obviously feels very rewarded by his achievements because he keeps doing it. He keeps pushing himself. It's been a five-year journey to get here. Mm-hmm. And he's accomplished his goal and he's going to set new ones. So, And to say that I became an ultra-runner at 68. Yeah. How many people can say that? Very few. Very few. And if he just started now, basically, another 20 years to go? <laughs> Let's hope for his sake. Who knows? Yeah. Well, it's an honor that he was our very last yep. finisher, I have to say. Yeah. And uh, we were with him every step of the way. At least I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was in spirit until he got to the finish line. <laughs> and you know what else we didn't talk about in the our, our Chase the Coyote intro what's that that how you and i separate during the race oh yes I, I don't get to see the reward ceremony i never get to see the cleanup because i'm cleaning up the race as it's going on and i never get to see the race yeah it's so funny how that is and so we get together at the end of the day and we compare notes and did you know this happened and did you see this and <laughs> and he has no idea no and and having chase neil throughout the entire course on a second loop and then I let him go to the finish line, and then that's it. I don't know what happened. So what happened at the finish line? <laughs> <laughs> well, he came down, and Mary and I cheered him on, and we gave him, a, I think we tried to feed him. We didn't want anything, <laughs> and he got in his car, and he left. <laughs> so he didn't collapse or anything like that? No, no, no. I was a little worried, but he just wanted to get home before he started seizing up. So No, I, didn't, I did not want him to fall at the finish line because he's six six. That's a hard way to get up. It's a long way, way to down. get up. <laughs> long way down, long way up. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, there you go. That's our wrap of Chase the Coyote. And we'll see you next year. We have other events. We'll see you there. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening. Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details. And join us on social media at gotterunracing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.